you guys see a lot of what we do here, but there are things that we don't even see. And I may have told you before, but there was a guy that I met through some, some social media thing. He lives out in California. It was through my Catalyst case or something with the phone. We went to Honduras. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and he sent me a, a message through Facebook Messenger, a long message about how blessed he was from a sermon I preached when I first started that I forgot everything that I said in that sermon. Um, but he, he said, uh, he said you, don't, you don't know how much this means to me and how much it's, it's, it was perfect for what, what I'm going through in my life. And just to me, that speaks volumes to the Holy Spirit that's speaking from us as a body and, and through me onto MP3 or, or whatever to, to California to somebody that needed to hear that message that I don't even remember what it is. And so I just think it's amazing. We, we, we support a lot of ministries locally, and that's awesome, but some of the stuff that we say here, people haven't heard before. We don't think about it because we're a little secluded. We, we, we don't realize that people haven't heard this before. They haven't heard this type of freedom and so I just, uh, I just, I took that as an encouragement. I want to encourage you guys because it's not just me; it's all of us together that support that kind of stuff. So, um, anyway, I just thought it was really cool. Anyway, all right, uh, I want to talk to you. I've got a pretty short message because I knew we had a lot of other stuff going on, but this, this comes really. I wanted to continue teaching on the kingdom, which I kind of am, but something resonated last week. I don't know if you remember if you were here last week. Something really resonated last week um, when I mentioned depression after worship, um, and this is something that. I don't struggle with depression, or I don't think that I do, um, but I struggle with addressing depression, if that makes sense. Like, I've always had some kind of fear of even saying it. I don't even want to admit it. I don't want to, I feel like I'm giving it power or something if I say that. And, and right or wrong, that's just the way I feel. I'm just being transparent. Um, but I've always had a problem even saying it. And I've seen it growing up in different people, and I've seen the effects of it, and I've seen the effects of some of the, the drugs that treat it that have been positive and, and some negative as well, very negative. Um, but I, none of that means anything to, to you guys corporately, but to me, it was just something in me that I had a hard time even saying the word for whatever reason. Having said that, last week, that's what the Holy Spirit was, was beginning to speak to me um, for either one specific person or several, judging by the people that came up to the altar that were either dealing with it or knew someone that was dealing with depression. Um, and so I want to I kind of address it here, but before I do, um, I want to uh, give you a little bit of backstory about me, if you don't already know. And the reason I use this, I don't put so much emphasis on my testimony that it's going to make a huge deal in everybody's lives, but it's something that I know very well, and so it's easy for me to tell because I, I can relate to it because I know it. Um, when I was growing up, I, I got hooked really quick, probably in the 80s, on hip-hop and rap music. Um, that was the old-school stuff that wasn't as gangster. It was just like hip-hop, hippity, hippity, hippity. It was just real basic <laughs> And I liked the beats, and it was new, and it was fresh, and it was different. And I could relate to it. We were very poor, um, and I could relate to it because we would break dance on cardboard boxes. I know this is your pastor. I'd break dance on cardboard boxes and do all this popping and locking and stuff like that. But I could relate to it because a lot of that music and that culture came from the area that I came from, and I could relate to it because some of it talked about some of that in it. It wasn't quite, it didn't accelerate in uh, some of the vulgarity and, and, and killing and, and that kind of stuff until later later on in the 90s, and I listened to it all through there. But even in the same way, I identified with the struggle or um, the oppression or whatever it was that I felt was, was keeping me down. I didn't have a father figure, and a lot of the rappers that I listened to didn't have that, and so I, made, I kind of made, let them fill that void. And so they were tough, you know? They were strong. And, yeah, they talked about a lot of bad stuff, but to me, um, and uh, Lecrae said this in one, they say that, they, they say, uh, 
I'm good at doing bad things. At least they're proud of me. And I remember feeling that. I remember feeling, you know, I did a lot of bad stuff, but I felt like in this, in this false identity of mine that, yeah, I do bad stuff, but at least I've got other people with me. That's why a lot of gangs form because we have people that can support us or people that can do things with us. Does that make sense? And so I, I got kind of sucked into that atmosphere, um, all false, really, because I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't that hardcore. <laughs> I wasn't like super hard gangster, really. But in my mind, I was. I mean, listen to the music I was. I identified with it, and, and I felt like that's who I was, and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be tough and, and, and hard and, and strong. Um, and there was, there was a very natural tendency, I think, in, in young men to want to, to be tough and strong and that kind of thing. It was just taken to the extreme in the wrong way. Does that make sense? I say that a lot. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm looking for an amen or, or some confirmation. So you're, it's okay to speak. Listen, I heard a long time ago uh, a pastor told me, and I've, I've told you guys before, if, if I'm not doing very well or I'm doing really well, either way, if you say amen, it could get better. <laughs> like, if, if, you, if you respond, I could get better, or you, if you just agree, that's okay. You can say amen or good job or preach it, white boy, whatever. So, yeah. So usually when I say this, that makes sense. I'm, I'm looking for a response because I want to make sure you're getting what I'm saying. For whatever reason, that's what I do. So anyway, so I had this, I had this real deep connection with rap and hip-hop and had all these cassettes, hundreds of cassettes. My mom had no idea some of the stuff I was listening to, no clue how bad this stuff I was listening to was. Um, but I listened to it in my headphones all the time, and I would just zone out and listen to this music. So anyway, I say all that to say um, they identified with my, with my problems, with my issues, but none of, none of those songs and none of that music gave me a solution, right? None, none, of it, none of it gave me a way out. They just identified. And how many of you know there's, there's a little bit of comfort in knowing that other people struggle with what you struggle with, right? And that's true. There's nothing wrong with that. That, that, was, that was healthy. That was part of, of going towards something healthy. It just stopped short of giving me an answer for all my problems. So I say that to say this. I, I've got a list here of several people you may be familiar with. Um, Abraham Lincoln, Woody Allen, Halle Berry, Beyonce, John Bon Jovi, Marlon Brando, Johnny Carson, Winston Churchill, Eric Clapton, Louis C.K., Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, Bob Dylan, Harrison Ford, Ken Griffey Jr., Billy Joel, Dwayne Johnson, Angelina Jolie, Stephen King, Martin Luther, Lady Gaga, David Letterman, Michelangelo, Marilyn Monroe, Bill Murray, Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein, Conan O'Brien, Dolly Parton, Brad Pitt, J.K. Rawlings, C.S. Lewis. These are, this is a short list of hundreds of, of famous people that have struggled with depression. Um, I mean, these are people you think, you know, you're talking about comedians, you're talking about great minds, Albert Einstein. These people have struggled with depression in their life. Now, I say that because there is something about knowing that someone else struggles with what you struggle with. Now, I don't know if any of these people have found the answer. I hope that they did. But this is not where the, where the comfort comes from. This may be the, the, the introduction to comfort, knowing that you're not alone, because a lot of us feel alone in lots of different areas. We're focusing a little bit on depression now, but this, this goes beyond that. Just like we were in worship, don't let the language get in the way. It, whatever issue you have, some of it's discouragement, which is, I think we all just struggle with discouragement at some point, if you want to call it depression, discouragement, whatever it is. Um, I think we all have some struggle with that. And so I want to tell you who, who really identifies with this and 
um, who actually has the answer. Now, the, one of the main threads that I saw looking through this is that no one understands what I'm going through. This is a lot of quote from people that struggle with depression and stuff like this. No one understands what I'm going through. Um, and Mark 14, 32 is where we'll start. Now, we say no one understands what we're going through. Uh, and it's pretty easy for to say, well, Jesus understands. He knows. It's a pretty generic answer a Christian would say. But let's look at it a little bit deeper. This is before the crucifixion, and they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark 14, 32, he says, They went to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed. This is Jesus now. This is God with skin on. He began, he began to be deeply distressed. What's the root word of distress? Stress. Jesus was stressed out. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is how distressed Jesus was. He was deeply distressed. He was feeling sorrow. He says to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. So Jesus leaves to pray. What is he doing? He's going to talk to his dad, right? Everything Jesus did, he said, I only do what I see the father do. So he retreats and goes and speaks to his dad about it. In verse 35, it says, Going a little further, he fell, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not, not I will, but what you will. Once again, he's saying, Look, I only do what I see the Father do. I am fully, we talked about this last week, I am, not last week, week before last, I am fully dependent on the Father. Like a child is fully dependent on his parents. This is what I was talking about. We should be fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. Everything he did, he was fully dependent on his Father. Father, I don't want to do this. This is really hard, but whatever you want me to do, this is what I do. I trust you. I'm fully dependent on you. He says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Verse 37. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said, are you asleep? (laughs) What are you going to answer? You can't lie. It's Jesus. What are you, asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for an hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into, into temptation. Listen to this. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's a common idea that the Holy Spirit only comes or moves during worship or in church, um, during certain ways that we feel or during certain situations. But this sets us up for failure. Listen to this. This will set you up for failure because when you walk out those doors and you don't have those same feelings and you don't have this worship team up here, then you're going to say, well, I, I, I don't have it. I don't have that anymore. I, I don't have that Holy Spirit because I only feel him during worship or I only feel him in church, right? If, if we compartmentalize this stuff to certain ways or certain things or certain ideas that we even have, we separate ourselves from God when he is not separate from us. We, we think in our mind that we're distant, and so we don't consult this Holy Spirit that's with us all the time. Hear me out. There is something very special about corporate worship. There's something very special about us coming together and worshiping. And I don't deny that. I feel it. You feel it. There's, I'm not denying that at all. I'm just saying you, we cannot limit it to that. We cannot limit it to that. It's, it's unfair to the Holy Spirit. And it's unfair to you when you go out in, in the flesh, when you're weak in the flesh, and you think that you've got to come back here to get it. And it also makes us feel like we're doing something wrong. We go out, we go, 
we must be doing something wrong. We don't have that same feeling that we have when worship's going and, and I hear the songs and I just I get lost in it. I don't have that same feeling. And so I must be doing something wrong that I don't, I don't deserve it. I don't, I don't have it. We always think it's something we're not doing to support or host the Holy Spirit when Jesus said the Holy Spirit was sent to support us, to encourage us, to build us up. Listen, write, if you want to write that something down, write this down. We always think it's something we are not doing. We make it about us again. How quickly do we make it about us? Something we're not doing to support or host the Holy Spirit when Jesus said the Holy Spirit was sent to support us. When do you need that? Do you need it in here? You need it out there. When do you need the Holy Spirit to build you up when the flesh is weak? When you go, I can't do this anymore. I can't deal with this. I'm, I'm admittedly weak here. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. That's when you need it. That's what the, that's, how have we got this mixed up? Oh, we need to, it's almost like we need to conjure this, <laughs> conjure this Holy Spirit. We got to get him, we got to get him coming. We got to get him going when he's the one that gets us going. <laughs> how do we mix that up? So when you're, when you're out there and you're going through that stuff, just like Jesus did when he, he felt deep sorrow. He felt deep sorrow and he said, God, I, I don't like this. This is stressing me out. This hurts. But I know you. <laughs> I trust you. And we say it all the time. Either you trust him or you don't. Either you trust the Holy Spirit or you don't. There's, there's kind of no middle ground there. Lord, I trust you. I need you to, to speak to this in my life. And listen, if you just listen, he will. He'll speak to you right then. Boom. You don't have to call all of us. Hey, I need you up here. I need somebody on the drums. I need you guys to be in tune. Come on. I need this going. I need this going. No. Holy Spirit's there to support you, to build you up. All the time. I underline that and put a period after each. All the time. Every moment, every day, every time, all the time. Philippians 3.3 says, For it is we who are the circumcision, who have served, and I'm not going to get into detail about circumcision. I hope you guys all know what it is. We who serve, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. They did use a rock, which is crazy, but I'll leave it at that. We, <laughs> we who serve God by His Spirit, listen to this, we who serve God, how? By His Spirit, who boasts in Jesus Christ, who put a little confidence in the flesh. Does it say that? No. We who put no confidence in the flesh. Back up. Back up. For as we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit. Right? This is where we get our confidence. This is, and then he goes on to say, and we put no confidence in the flesh. Zero. There's a circumcision, there was a circumcision of your heart at the moment you were born again. God, God cut away the old you. Gone. And we're now to worship God in, in the spirit, not the flesh. He cut that part away, gone. And so now we meet him right where he meets us, and that's the Holy Spirit. There was a circumcision of your heart, a real surgery, a Holy Spirit surgery that happened, that manifests itself in, in even today, that happened back then, past tense. So don't trust your flesh to tell you who you are, allow the Spirit to tell you who you are. You're a citizen of the kingdom. 
When something gets you down, you don't look outward into the world for identity and confirmation. You look inward to the Holy Spirit. This is why we don't live our lives bound by circumstances. Now, there is tribulation. We find ourselves in tribulation, but but here's the key. You don't let tribulation own you. You don't let troubles uh, take ownership of you. In, in fact, the opposite, you take ownership of those situations. You take ownership of that because you have something better. Now, here's somebody else. Even Paul knew what you were going through, not just Jesus, as if that wasn't enough. Here's another example in 2 Corinthians 1.3. Paul says, Praise be to the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I love that. So simple. Verse 4, he doesn't say in, in your current situation or in this specific trouble, he says in all troubles. And then even as we comfort other people, he says what? In any of their troubles. This is why. This is why I always tell you don't put too much faith in your personality. Don't even put too much faith in your testimony. Some people I've heard... I've heard Christians that have been saved since they were kids talk about, man, they feel bad because they don't have a testimony. They didn't, have, they didn't go off and do drugs. And they didn't do all this bad stuff so they could have this great testimony. And that's ridiculous. Here's why. Your testimony is powerful. I don't discount that. We all have our own testimony. We have our story. And what's good is, like I said, we know it. We can tell it very easily because it, we're, we're comfortable and we're confident in it. Now, here's the key, though. Even for the people, like I was talking about with the father this morning and the husband, I can't understand fully the whole husband thing, but there are people that can connect better with that. Here's the thing. You have a Holy Spirit that speaks to other people on Christ's behalf through you. This is why you don't put too much faith in your testimony because the the person that doesn't have some kind of quote-unquote radical testimony like somebody else does and they think they're less than because they can't speak to certain situations in people's lives, they carry the same Holy Spirit that spoke to you. Are we... Are we putting faith in the Holy Spirit or are we not? Are we putting it just in our testimony? Now, like I said, not discounting testimony, but are we putting it just in our testimony? Because if that's the case, then it's back about us again. We've come, we've come right back around. It's all about me. Well, I did this, so, and, and here's something I'm sure depressed people don't want to hear. Well, I did it and I came out of it, so should you. Get over it. Deal with it. Right? You shouldn't be dealing with that because I got, I'm good. Why can't you be good? And I tell you, I'm guilty of some of that, and just saying, suck it up, let's just, let's go. But I don't, I can't fully relate to what everyone's going through. I've told you guys about migraines and acid reflux were the two things that I thought I was super confident I knew everything about. When I heard somebody say they had a migraine, be like, whatever, let's go jet ski. Take a, take a, take a pill, you know, take a headache, take some headache medicine, let's go. I didn't understand what a migraine, I thought a migraine was just a bad headache. I didn't know how serious it was until I had a migraine. (laughs) And then I realized, whoa, what an absolute idiot I was and jerk I was, right? I think it's the same thing when, when we talk to someone who struggles with, with doubt or depression or, or whatever it is. We think we have it all figured out. This is why I constantly talk about submitting um, our theology and our doctrine under love, always. Because anytime we get above that, we begin to say we know more, we know more than really than Christ does, because that's what he said to submit it all to is love. We're saying that we know even better than he did, ultimately. Because the moment I tell you I've got all the answers, but I care not for what's going on in your life, you're not going to listen to me. 
You don't care about my answers if I, don't, if I can't truly relate to you and, and, and know what's going on in your life and in your heart. And listen, I can't really even speak to what's going on in your life until I let you tell me, right? This is, I'm getting off topic here, but I'll tell this real quick and then I'll get, hopefully get back on topic. This is, uh, this is what I think the key to discipleship is. The key to discipleship is listening. If you want to disciple someone, and I hope you're all discipling people, if you want to disciple someone, you need to listen to them for a while. You need to listen to what's going on in their life, and you need to hear from their heart what they're dealing with because it may take weeks, months, years for them to truly trust you enough to tell you really what's going on because we all are pretty good at putting on a mask. Something else, uh, I've seen people who struggle with depression are really good at putting on a mask, faking it. Um, so anyway, that was sidebar. So don't put your faith, don't, don't put more faith in your testimony than the Holy Spirit inside you. You have the answer for everyone in every situation, regardless of your history or their circumstance. You have the answer, listen to this, <clears throat> you have the answer inside you for everyone in every situation, regardless of your history or their circumstance. We, this is one of the reasons I never say depression. I don't want to give it power. I don't want to think that that these circumstances, these things have power. They don't. It's okay to address them and talk about what they are, but you have the answer. You have the one that defeated all that inside you. And this is why he says, who comforts us in all troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So we can't comfort others unless we receive it. We have to know that the Holy Spirit comes to comfort and build us up before we can ever do it for anybody else. So we don't, we don't study our Bible to go to work and argue with your coworker. <laughs> study your Bible so that you can go and give them the answer to set them free. I can't tell you how many times I heard discussions. Um, this was back when I worked in the warehouse. heard so many discussions and arguments for years. I worked there 18 years. Arguments and discussions over theology and over God and over wearing a long sleeve shirt or wearing a tie or, you know, whatever it was. We'd find anything to argue about. Spend all day arguing about it. It reminds me of Duck Dynasty when they just talk about nothing. They just randomly, we would do that. We'd just hang out and talk about stupid stuff. But we would, we would argue about all this stuff like, who cares? We really need to like, get some more work done around here. But the, the fact of the matter is we would, we, would, <laughs> we would argue and argue and argue and argue over surface stuff. We'd never get to the heart of the issue. Because honestly, we never truly cared enough about each other to really, well, not all of us, but for the most part, we didn't truly care enough to really Speak into people's lives. We just want to win the argument. Have any of you been either on the, on the giving or receiving side of that? I've been on both. <laughs> I mean... It's not only enough that I win, you have to lose. Yes. Okay? Let's make it really clear. My winning is a foregone conclusion. <laughs> I've already decided I'm the winner. I just need to make sure you know it for sure. Not that I've ever been there, right? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Hey, if anybody can relate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're looking for people to relate with our issues. If you need to see David afterwards, you can go see him. Anyway, so here's the thing. <laughs> He'll be happy to explain why you're wrong. I like that. And so here, here's the thing. God is not trying to argue anybody in the kingdom. He's trying to free them. He, he, has, he has no need to prove himself. Listen, my kid's brought one of my drawings. I used to draw a lot. They, they, they brought one of my old drawings when I used to have time to sit down and draw detailed drawings. And uh, I looked at it. I was pretty impressed. I was like, wow, a lot of time. There's a lot of lines that I drew in there. I took it to school. One of the kids said, uh, oh, that's pretty cool. 
I bet he can't draw a Lamborghini. And so they came to me, and they are like, you need to draw a Lamborghini. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, one of the kids at school said, you need to draw a Lamborghini. He doesn't believe that you can draw a Lamborghini. And I, like, puffed up. I was like, you tell that kid, I don't need to prove myself to him. I draw what I want, and I don't want to draw a Lamborghini. I'm not falling in his trap. He don't own me. Little kid. I'm going to go eat lunch with him. Point that kid out. Anyway, I told him, I said, you don't need to prove anything. You don't need to prove anything. In the same way, you don't need to prove anything to your coworkers. You don't need to prove that you're right and they're wrong. You don't need to prove that you have, you don't even need to prove that you have the answer. You just need to give it to them. You don't have the power to change them anyway. The Holy Spirit does. What's the Holy Spirit do? It comforts you so that you can comfort them. It builds you up so that you can what? Build them up. It gives you life so that you can give them life. Christ said, I came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't say, I came so that you could behave better and look pretty and act right. He said, I came so that I could give you life. So what's the opposite of life? Death. Oh, I was like, I thought you had a word from the Lord. And it is Justin's thirsty. I receive. (laughs) We... We put more confidence in outward constraint than we do in Holy Spirit power. We don't need more accountability partners. Accountability partners. We need more confidence in communication with the Holy Spirit. Go back to Philippians 3.3. Put no confidence in the flesh. Zero. This goes even to your own self-righteousness. This speaks to our own puffing up of flesh so that we got it figured out and we know it all and we can do it on our own. You... You can set yourself up pretty quickly to fail if you try to put, put, put around you some barriers that you can outdo. There was a friend of mine years ago. This was not that it justifies my thoughts because I would probably think the same thing today. This was before I got married and everything. I'd just gotten saved. And he was telling about this computer program that if he, if he got on this computer program, it was pretty, pretty neat. If he got on this computer program and looked at something questionable, we can all believe and know what that would be. Um, <laughs> I thought of a bunch of other random things. I don't know. Anyway, that it would email his accountability partner and alert him to it so that he could, hey, call and be like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you looking at that stuff? Now, in theory, that seems pretty good. It seems like a logical thing. But what was the first thing I thought about? What do you think? I'd get around that. <laughs> I seriously, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, that's good. I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> but I was thinking, I'd find a way around that. I'd I'd figure out a password. I'd figure something out. That's what law does, right? Paul said, I didn't even know what coveting was, and now you tell me not to covet, and all I want to do is covet. (laughs) I didn't even know what it was until you told me not to do it, and now it's all I can think about. (laughs) If that door right there said, do not enter, and and everybody in the room left except for you, your hand would start twitching. What's in that room? I need to know. That's not a room, by the way. What's in that room? I need to know what's in that room, right? How do I know it's not a, how do I know it's not a room? <laughs> Just sit down, David. <laughs> struck something here. How do I know there's not aliens in there? It could be Area 51 for all I know back there. Speak, <laughs> this just doesn't have anything to do with it. Well, listen to this. Have any of you ever been, I've been on this trip this last week. I've told three people. 
But it, it really, it cut me deep, man. Have you, have you ever been to uh, Tractor Supply? Has anybody ever been to Tractor Supply? All right, a Tractor Supply, <laughs> sorry if I divert a little bit, but I have to tell you because it's funny. Tractor Supply has an air conditioning system that has these inflatable type tubes that go through. And apparently when it's not on, they collapse, okay? Have any of you witnessed this, okay? You may know what I'm talking about. Um, I was in there because I can't decide anything ever, and so I'm Googling the best of whatever it is that I'm looking at, ducks or something, I don't know what it was, trying to figure out what, what I need to buy. It wasn't ducks. But I did think about buying ducks because they're cheap. I was just like, they're like five bucks. I could take them home, put them in the bathtub, and play with them, and just let them go. <laughs> they're only five bucks. Well, I should buy like five of them and just like, hey, kids, we have ducks. I thought about it, but I didn't do it. But I was concentrating on something, trying to figure out what it was, and I'm deep in thought, Googling, you know, consumer reports about whatever, a, a belt from a lawnmower, something dumb like that, because I can't decide anything. So I'm like trying to figure out what it is, and all of a sudden, the aisles go this way, okay? And I'm looking at the aisle. Well, this air-conditioned system from the ceiling goes long ways, so it's coming down the aisles. And so when the air condition kicked on, it began to fill up. And I cannot describe to you the sound it made. <laughs> all I remember was... What is that noise? And as I looked up, it revealed itself like past where the, the shelf was. And for some reason, my first thought was it was a huge alien creature running, toward, <laughs> running, from, running on the ceiling towards me. And I went, ah! Oh! And I looked around. My, my, my heart was beating fast. And I looked around like, oh, my God. Did anybody see me? Nobody saw me. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know why my mind went to an alien crawling on the ceiling, but immediately that's what I thought it was, and I let out an, ah, and I ducked, because he's not going to see me if I duck. And I asked the lady behind the counter, I was like, hey, after I calmed down, I was like, oh, my gosh, I had a heart attack. So I walked up to her, and I was like, hey, has anyone else, like, been frightened by your, she's like, oh, yeah, we get that a lot. <laughs> I'm serious. That's the most scared I've been, I think, since Sarah Hall scared me in the hallway after youth one day. Bah! I just jumped out of the darkness. That was the most recent was at Tractor Supply. So I encourage you to go there and maybe wait and watch other people if they don't know. <laughs> or maybe just a weirdo that looks like me because maybe nobody else is bothered. It's like, oh, air conditioned, but alien is what I thought. Anyway, I digress. So anyway... <laughs> The, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is, is better at getting you to live right than you are. How many of you believe that? How many of you have tried to, tried to do right and failed? What that tells me is you want to live right. You really do. You want to do the right thing. Especially if you have the Holy Spirit, you have this deep innermost desire to do right. All the law will do is either lead you to that or kill you. It will either lead you to the truth and to the Savior and to what its purpose was or it will kill you. That's what the law does. It will condemn you. That's, that's all it can do. There is, there is no other, there's no other way. Here's what I want you to know. Grace is real, grace is powerful, and grace is proactive. A lot of our detractors will try to say that we don't, we're apathetic and we don't care and we don't do anything. And Many of you know everyone else in this room, and that's not true. We do. We very much care about what we do in here, and we have... We have incredible um, outreaches and, and all kinds of great things that we do in here. We were very proactive, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you guys are proactive in that. I'm thankful that, that I don't have to defend anybody in here. I know you guys. But the fact that, the, the, the fact that we, we understand who we are and we have confidence in our identity 
gives us a, a really a power, an authority to go out and do things, not of our own abilities and of our own self, but of something bigger and better than, than who we are. Because that's what laws brought us to. It's brought us to something better. It brought us to something greater. It brought us to uh, a new reality. So all these things, you just need to get over it. You're just weak right now. You need a, you need a good vacation. <laughs> really? Is that, is that what we need that's going to fix everything? If you've ever been on vacation with kids, you know that's not true. <laughs> what you need is a vacation from your vacation. All right, um, 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, For just, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. There it is again. Our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed... It is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you uh, patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Now think about this for a moment. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians, he's saying that, I understand what you're going through. I can relate to what you're going through. This goes along with what we're talking about. I understand now, this just isn't persecution and death. He, I believe that Paul struggled with the same discouragement that we do. He's, he's talking about the same issues that we deal with. He's saying, I know what you're going through. Not just persecution, not just threats of death, but I know the feelings that you have. I know the discouragement that you're feeling. I know some of you guys are probably depressed and upset about this whole situation. But I'm telling you that I know what you're going through, and I'm, and I'm telling you that you will also share in our comfort. I'm telling you that I have the answer. I'm not just identifying with your problem, but I also have the answer to it. And that's the most important thing. Verse 8, we do not want want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our, listen to this, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. Do you see where he's going with this? So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. Listen, they were, they were so despaired, they, they were despaired to the point of death. Does that sound familiar? It's like Jesus was talking about. This is killing me. This hurts how many of you need someone else to, to, to feel what you feel and understand what you understand? Listen, Jesus came so that he could experience everything that we, we, can, we experience. Not just, here's the key, not just so we can say, okay, we, and he's the only one that did that, by the way, the only God that, that does that. Doesn't just give us rules. He came and experienced what we experienced so that we could relate. Yes, that's good, but here's the important part. So that when he conquered all of your real enemies, you could experience what he experiences. Let me put it another way. He saw things through our perspective so that we could see things through his perspective. If there's something you can take away from this, take that away. He, there's a great exchange there. He identified with us to the point of dying for us. Experienced all the temptations that we, that we have and, but, but didn't sin. Experienced all the sorrow and the struggle and the stress, stress, the stress, the stress. 
so that we could take on his perfect life, so that we could accept his perfect life, so that we could have confidence on the day of judgment. What do we mostly fear? Death is a, is a pretty common fear. Judgment's another fear. He took care of those. Now what do you have to fear? He says, Lord, does give us a spirit of fear, but of what? Love, peace, and a sound mind. So the law came so that you would know that you cannot trust yourself. It came so that you would find something better to trust, and, that, and that's in Jesus. The law brings death, but Jesus brings life. You don't need to fear death because you've already experienced it at the circumcision of your heart, past tense. Death has already happened. There's already been a death, burial, and resurrection in your heart. Now here's, here's where I want to wrap up with this. Is your hope in a faraway heaven that you will see someday? Do you hope that you see Jesus someday, get a mansion someday, find comfort someday? This is what makes the modern, Christian, the modern day Christian weak and powerless in our culture. We have for years in the church focused all of our attention on going to heaven after you die. You need to come to this church so that you can get your tickets, so that you can go to heaven and you don't go to hell, right? And we've put everything off and we have crippled Christians for years because we, we've made them focus on something that's going to happen in the future that has actually happened some 2,000 years ago. Are you looking for the answer for depression? Are you looking for the answer for um, relational issues? Are you looking for anything that you're, you're dealing with? You don't have to wait till you die to get the answer. Someday Christianity kills modern-day Christianity, right-now Christianity. Someday Christianity is no good to anybody. I always say that they don't need you in heaven. They're good. They're not waiting for you. I can't wait till Justin gets there, man. He's going to make this place so much better. People need you now. And unless you're confident in who you are, what are you going to give them? Where do you find your comfort? Are you producing it on your own? Are you manufacturing it? Are you trying really hard to get it? Are you accepting it? Are you accepting something that you can share with other people? This is what the kingdom of God is. It's life. It's life. Real life. So sometimes we live beneath our depression instead of living above it. Why? Why do we do that? Because we're looking for comfort someday when we have Holy Spirit today. We're searching for the answer someday when the Creator is as close as our breath. Right now, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is current and right now. Real quick, Luke 4.18 says, and this is Jesus going in, and I love this because he... Uh, he goes in there and opens the scroll and reads it. Excuse me. Verse 18, it says, uh, and he's quoting Isaiah 61. So Jesus goes into this, 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 uh, this synagogue or whatever it is, and he opens the scroll and he starts reading. Uh, and he's quoting Isaiah 61. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jubilee. The year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to stop real quick and then we're going to get right back to it. If you're not familiar with Jubilee, Jubilee was one day of the year when everything, like all the debts were canceled, everything was leveled the playing field, basically. Everybody's even, everybody's fair. So he's like, hey, I came to level the playing field here. 
No Jews, no Gentiles, no, nobody's better than anybody. He says, I came to proclaim the year of the, uh, the, year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, then he, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and then he sat down. I imagine he's like dropping the mic. Drop the mic. He, uh, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began, to say to, he, he began saying to them, today, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's going all the way back to Isaiah and saying, look, I know you guys know this. You've read it. I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to read it to you from my perspective. I'm fulfilling that right now. This is happening in front of you. The kingdom of God is here now. Mic drop. Now what? And then they're like, ah, we want to kill you. And then they like ran him all the way out to the, you know, remember they rushed him. They were like furious and they rushed him all the way out to this cliff. And then he walked right through him because he's Jesus. (laughs) But they were not very thrilled with this because he was claiming to be the son of God. He was claiming that the Pharisees weren't better than anybody else. This is, this is the day you guys have been talking about for years. It's here now, right now. Why are we waiting for it? It already happened. Listen to this. We're going to go back to Isaiah 61. This is what Jesus was quoting from. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from the darkness the prisoners. Now listen, if you, if you struggle with some, some discouragement, depress, depression, listen to this right now. And please see it in, in a, hopefully in a brand new light. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance on the Lord. Now listen to what he's saying. Proclaim, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is the day of Jubilee, and the, the day of the vengeance of the Lord. He's, when Jesus said I was fulfilling it, Fulfilling that, he took on the vengeance of the Lord for us. This is what he's talking about. Um, and, to, and listen to this, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, oaks of righteousness. Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom's arrival and he was declaring Isaiah 61 in Luke. He was saying, this is what I've come for. I bring all this with me. With my kingdom comes joy, comes comfort. I will, I will transition you from your place of mourning to a place of joy. This kingdom that I bring, this reality that I bring will shake the very foundation of everything that you know. It will change the world, and it's happening in front of you right now. Mic drop. (laughs) Change your thinking. Change the way you see everything. This is the reality of the kingdom of God right now. This is is why I struggle with this, this emphasis on get saved so you can go to heaven. We don't preach that here. We don't teach that here, and I won't. You get born again because you, your relationship with the Father is reinstated through Jesus Christ. Heaven gets thrown in with that, and we'll see it in its fulfillment one day. But guess what? His kingdom already came, and his will is being done in, in people right now in this room. That's the reality of the kingdom of God. So I want to encourage you, if you struggle with this d- depression, discouragement, all these things, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, whatever it is, because Jesus fills all things in every way. He is the great fulfiller. He's the fulfillment of everything. So stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. And I hope that you can hang out. We've got food and, and drink and fellowship. We've got food and fellowship, which is great. Um, 
and we, we're going to honor the, the graduates too. We got them a cake. So uh, calories don't count when they're in church, I think. Yeah. And so just hang out for, for that and want to bless them, and then especially even the, the people that have just joined our family. You know, guys, you guys have been here a while. Just pour out blessings on them. Just love them and, and pray for them and, and let them know that you're thinking about them during the week. Um, get their numbers and aggravate No, I don't aggravate them. <laughs> Text them every once in a while. Just tell them you're praying for them. And then actually pray for them. Lord, <laughs> uh, Lord, I just thank you for your truth, for your reality. Lord, I thank you that, that uh, Lord, I thank you for the law that, that drew us closer to you. Lord, I thank you that, that, that your law identified itself and it showed us that, that there was no end to that but death so that we could see that we needed a Savior. Lord, you were so much better than the law. You're so much better than our own abilities. Lord, there are those places we find in our lives when we go, you know, I, I can't be the husband that I, that I want to be to my wife. I can't be the, the father I need to be to my kids. I admit that. And so, Lord, I need you to help me. Listen, this is a place of empowerment because in our weakness, you are made strong. It's the ones that think they can do it on their own and say, I can do this. I'm going to do this on my own. I can, I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to do this. And then we mess up, and then we feel like a failure. But, Father, right now, I just pray that you, you begin to just prick our hearts towards that so that, that we say, Lord, we, we, we desperately want to be those things. We want to be a, a good wife, a good husband, a good father, a good friend, a good confidant, a good, a good leader. But I know by myself, on my own, I can't do it. And by me admitting that, Lord, you begin to fill me up. And you begin to fill us up. You begin to say, I know, but I can. And I will. And then, and then we realize, Lord, our confidence is in you. And our trust is in you. And our abilities are your abilities that we can use through, through our own. So, Lord, seal up in the hearts of your people, Lord, as we, as we hang out here and we eat and and as we go out throughout the week, Father, your Holy Spirit doesn't stay here. We don't, we don't hang it at, at the door when we leave. Lord, your power and your authority go with us. Your kingdom goes with us. Lord, as we go into places and we begin to speak truth to people, Lord, your Holy Spirit goes with us. And it's just, it's blasted out. Harukan, it's just, everywhere we go, it's just more of you. It's just more kingdom. And we spread it, we spread it, we spread it. And it's just greater and greater and greater. Lord, make it contagious in us, Lord, that it just spreads like wildfire. Lord, I thank you for your love, for your grace, for your power. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.